I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. Our next guest is a ceramic artist who makes dinnerware for almost 30 restaurants in Chicago. I initially stumbled upon him from Thomas O and Andy Lim on their End Process podcast. I then saw him again in the No Place Like Kusama documentary by Carrie Pang. We explore his journey of becoming a maker, getting discovered by chef Michael Carlson, and the philosophy on his process. Please enjoy my conversation with David T. Kim. David Kim, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, <laughs> how's uh, how's the day going so far? Pretty good. It's, it's good? Yeah. Um, combing through a few of your um, past interviews, I found a few quotes that might spark some discussion or conversation. Um, and they're all your quotes. Okay. So I'll, I'll, there's three of them. They're, they're pretty short, but if any of them uh, call you to add to it, just feel free to chime in. So the first one says, uh, handmade objects, they come alive from being used. Mm-hmm. Second one is, I always enjoy that kind of labor. It's very repetitive, but you can refine the movements. And then the third one is, pottery is the art of failure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, so do, do any of them kind of, would you like to elaborate on, on any of them? I guess pottery is the art of failure. Yeah. Um, the basically pottery pain is or pottery is practice pain practice patience and pain you know because it's, uh, it's the the four p's i think but, okay uh yeah it's it's you have a lump of clay and you're basically making it into a form using your hands mm-hmm. right you have a vision in your mind and you try to translate that into a three-dimensional object Mm. with your hands you Mm. know and you're basically thinning out this ball of clay to something that doesn't exist yet you know and so it's it's there's a lot of trial and error yeah that goes into it and you can spend like where they say they they say like you have to make a hundred cylinders to actually understand how to make a cylinder yeah you know in pottery so do, do you think because there's that like 10,000 hour rule does that kind of apply then uh yeah i think so yeah yeah and we'll go we'll get into that eventually of like just how do you overcome this feeling of like giving up right we'll, we'll go into that eventually yeah. um but for the listeners i want to give context like david I, I came across him um initially through it wasn't I, it was most recently through the kasama film but uh i heard you on yeah, Tom and Andy's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after reading a few, you were on like Chicago Mag or, or Eater and you've been creating dinnerware for various restaurants, various high-end restaurants too. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, learning that like you've kind of grown up in the restaurant industry as well and your parents 
Um, are they still running a restaurant yep. at this moment? They, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, was it sushi? Yeah, my dad owns the. My parents run the sushi restaurant in Niles H Mart. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Uh, My buddy owns a car wash in that parking lot. Oh, yeah. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, Wow, small world. So now, chronologically, can you take us back to the first moment you felt inclined to manipulate materials with your hand and kind of create, bring your vision Mm -hmm. to something tangible, Um, whatever the material that was? Yep. Um, So my mother always told me, like, Ever since she could remember, I was always like hands-on type of person. I wasn't really good at talking, I guess, or I didn't have any special skills. But I was always doing something. Okay. And she she told me that, or I would she told me that I would make things out of cardboard a lot. Okay. And so she, like she they would, would just have a lot of cardboard laying around. Yeah, I mean, when they had the restaurant, you know, they have like the right. paper towel rolls or like the boxes where things come in and what are some things you made with cardboard uh you know like robots or like swords okay and, then, and you know like when you play like i'd play with them afterwards and you know so they're functional yeah functional and they would you know they'd break so then i'd be able to make more and stuff because they just <laughs> fold over and stuff but you know like uh, i guess like lightsabers are easy because you just use the tube Heck yeah. and then you just draw on it and <laughs> you just imagine the color of the blade uh, yeah so. yeah um, and then my brother was pretty, he, he liked to draw and he was into like sci-fi stuff. So we would, okay. he would draw a lot of like sci-fi, like, um, spaceships or like World War II airplanes and sure. I'd watch him do that and I'd get really excited and he was into model building and then I would try it, but it'd just become like a ball of glue, you know, okay. <laughs> so, but okay. you know, it's, it's fun though, you know, like working with my hands and so I was always into that. And then as you progressed through high school, um, mm-hmm. did you stick with it or you kind of just took a break from it? Or, um, Well, I didn't, throughout high school, I didn't really... Uh, and GBS, right? Yeah, GBS, Glenbrook okay, cool. South. I, I grew up in Skokie. Oh, Skokie, nice. Skokie, yeah. Grove, and then I moved to Palatine for a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. sweet. We're not neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but like, I guess in high school, I was in like a kind of a floating zone where I like, yeah. didn't know what to do, you know, like, yeah. and... Uh, did but they, then did I would, they have... Like various art classes in high school? Yeah, you know, they did. And, you know, like, I think earlier in high school, I wasn't sure. And I didn't even know that that was an option. And until, like, maybe junior, senior year, I was right. like, oh, set. I could take art right, in school. Right. And I started doing that, and I got really into it. Okay. Yeah. Into uh, what specifically in art? Uh, ceramics. Ceramics. Yeah. Yeah, they oh, actually, so, okay, cool. They actually had a ceramics program in high school, which super lucky because yeah. it's very rare. Yeah. And, but even in my junior high school, I remember there was a ceramic, they had like a pottery wheel. Okay. And my oh, first wow. pot was like sixth grade and oh. still, and I made a small two pots and then a T-Rex like sculpture when I was in junior high. And I remember trying to make like, they, like, like a T-Rex, but like hollow to where you can put it at, use it as like an incense and like, it would mm. like, or a dragon. It's like, mm. Yeah, the insects would come out of it. <laughs> with the smoke. Do you still have yeah, with the smoke. <laughs> uh, I still have the dinosaur and the one of the pots and maybe two, but I know one of the pots is there at my parents' That's house. Cool. And I know that I also made a car, but that car exploded <laughs> in the kiln, so it was like failure right there, you know, junior high school. <laughs> so so as you're nearing the end of high school, what are some conversations you're having with advisors or your parents to take the next step? Um 
Well, I wasn't really good at school always. So, yeah. um, but my parents, you know, like my dad was a chef, so he never really pushed me to um, go in a specific route. He always encouraged me to do what I like because, you know, he's a chef and he that's a very passionate and uh, enduring uh, career. To, yeah. You have to have a lot of grit and stuff. So he's like, whatever you do, you just have to work really hard, you know. And I mean, it's a lot easier said than done, but... Um, and then he, yeah, just worked really hard. And my mom was the one that noticed that I, in class, you know, I wasn't really good. So, mm. but then in my books, like I would just draw and doodle mm. in every, every class around. Did they see that or it was just for you? Uh, my, my mom, I think my mom saw it. Like I never showed her, but she saw one of my books and then she noticed like, and she realized that I was really into art my entire life yeah. you know, up to that point. So she was encouraging, you know, so. Amongst your friends, um, do you think that relationship was rare that you had with your parents? Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I mean, but, you know, they, they worked long hours, so I only have a certain amount of time throughout the day to actually see them. Or It was oh. very brief talking, you know, but... And I'm sure, know, were, so, I mean, because most immigrant parents have a different version from the path that they took because they want a less stressful life for their kids. Yeah. And ironically, their kids still take a very stressful path, even if it's different, but it's their own path. Yeah, and so for your parents to encourage you to take your own path, whatever it is, it's a breath of fresh air for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know too many people that have that type of relationship with their parents, so yeah. you're very lucky. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm, I think part of my like a great deal of my success is actually like the the support my parents yeah. gave me. You know, yeah. and even when I first started my studio, I was in my parents' garage for mm-hmm. uh, four or five like, years. Like. Was their garage space always taken up by other things, or was there always was there a car in there before? Uh, there was a car. Now it gets parked outside. So it moved. Yeah. It moved stuff for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. that's what I was on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and there was stuff I had to do a lot of reorganizing, and you know, like uh, it was. It took a lot of work in the garage space, and it was about it's a two two car garage. Okay. So it's about uh, three hundred less than three hundred square feet. I bet. Yeah. But you know, like after college, you know, that's just like a dream to actually have a space, you know. To, we all start somewhere. Yeah. And to have this, like, the fortunate space of your own home, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so then, how did you navigate, like, did you consider not going to college? Or I, I know you went to SAIC. Yep. Um, School of Art Institute in Chicago. Yep. Um, so, you know, I I always really focus on what I was doing then. Yeah. So I never really thought, like, I was like, never really was like, oh man, how am I going to make money mm-hmm. until like senior year? Mm-hmm. And then I was fortunate enough to, you know, like when I was in college to, I would work at tile making and then uh, be artist assistants. And mm-hmm. I could see the potential of what the material or this, uh, I guess, art can take me. And then ceramics was just like, uh, I mean, I guess I was thinking, like, how do I go in it? But I was so focused in the material that it led me to be able to figure out. Is this during college or pre-college? Uh, about towards the end of college. End of college. Yeah. So how did, what, what, did you have any conversations after high school of, like, what do oh, I do now? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I went to art school with the intention of becoming a graphic designer. Oh. So more, like, in the tech side or computer side oh, and it's called okay. visual communication so okay. learning how to 
uh, translate. Do you, do you know f- Francis Almeida? You know, I... I oh, of, of him? Yeah, I think From I... Side practice? I have never met him formally, oh, okay. but I think we follow each other on Instagram. Okay. Yeah, a- so him <clears throat> and uh, someone on his team, if they're listening, uh, Noel. Uh, Noel is like his go-to, Francis' go-to like tea guy. Mm. Like he's a master of tea and he puts on tea um, ceremonies. But when I thought of this, like your vessels would be like perfect <laughs> for, that, for that. So you could, yeah, you, you guys should, should be in touch. Um, so then graphic design. Mm-hmm. And then did you try it? And you're like, oh, I don't know about yeah, this. Yeah, I knew like first year, freshman year, first semester that I was like, I was not in, you know, like a lot of times uh, I'll give some stuff a, a shot, you know, like yeah. I'll do it like just to get the experience of trying it. And then I'll really think about it. And like, I knew I was like, oh, I'm not really into it, you know, but yeah. I still took classes after freshman year, just, you know, like, keep right, going. yeah, just in case, you know, like what can you share? What about graphic design you didn't like? I guess for me, it's, I really, for me to understand things, I like to have a hands-on approach, like take things apart and figure out how the mechanism of objects work. Or and, you know. and not just at the end, but during during the whole process, because what if you translated graphic design into a 3D model? Yeah, that it's like, um, I guess you still have the, the computer aspect, but the, the digital side to yeah. learn and to um, project that. And, and even when that happens, it's like, it's not as exactly exacting as how I want it to be. And I guess sure. there is a learning curve with the technical technical side of it yeah. that I wasn't into. And um, yeah, I like more like physical object working like, yeah, it's, it's, it's tactile feedback. Yeah. Even in some would argue, like even in, in the digital world, you still get immediate feedback, but there's something a little more satisfying with your, with your hands. I think mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, keep going. And I, I guess when things are too exact, like you know, with like three D mm. programming and stuff, it it makes it uh, too uh, one one plus one, or like you get this, you get that, you know. And when I make like small models and stuff, I'll have this idea, but it doesn't really come out exactly as the model, yeah. and I can refine the form, and that form can branch out quicker, you know, and. And I guess I'm not more I'm not familiar with the like computer aspect too, yeah. which I, I would always was more comfortable with working. Well can you can you elaborate on your do you have a sense of perfectionism? Um I think I do, but it's not like perfect perfectionism like oh like this this angle has to be perfect or mm. this like this mm. type of round, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's more of like, I have a way of, I like my making progress to go process to go. Yeah. And, but how do you know when, when something feels right enough? Um, you know, you, it's, you don't know until you, after you fire it. Right. So mm. like a piece and, um, yeah, it's, when do I know it's right enough? <laughs> because once once it's fired, you it, it, you get it. Yeah, least, it, it's, you, done. it's done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's. I think with that, it's more like I I learn over time. You yeah. know, it's like it's. There's this idea where you learn to see. Ob, learn, it's learning, training your eyes to see. Yeah. And it's like before you, you fire. Or? Uh, just like in general, in, in the making process of things, okay. you know, like. 
oh, like it, when I made it like this, this curve was like here, and then eventually at the end it sagged in this way, and or it sagged like the proportions shrank. And, sure. Um, so it's that's what I, I it's the beauty of it is I guess it's like because it's handmade. It you can't really it's not something you can really control. Yeah. Of that, and I guess with pottery or this practice is. Um, that's what makes it unique, you know, each piece. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you, you can't get that time that you put into that piece back. Uh, yeah. I remember when I first started this podcast, uh, Jean-Gabriel, like he's, he's in that photo behind you, but like he, uh, he's a knife maker. Hmm. Similar, similar concept of like your time and energy went into this piece that someone is going to use. Um, and we'll talk about, ta- talk about that eventually of how, you know, people get to share a meal over your vessels. Mm. Um, but can you go back to the second half of art school then? Like, where did you, did you p- pivot to ceramics then? Yeah, I mostly built a lot of sculptures. Okay. And more like, I was trying to push the, uh, I guess, the material by, let's say like, the kilns at my school were about, uh, they're like 30 cubic foot kilns or like, they had one, when I was graduating, they had a kiln that was about, five feet tall in the inside so i would try to make sculptures as oh. five feet tall you know but oh, like very cool. they shrink you know okay and just trying to build very kind of minimal but like yeah. very uh sculptural objects they're, they're not functional so more know? abstract yeah okay more art pieces yep okay more okay. art pieces yeah and what did you learn through that process um about yourself or good things uh, sculptures like the way i built them was by coiling so okay. you basically get a coil which is like a cylindrical piece of clay right mm-hmm. like extruded and then you um you basically put it circular on the on a piece right mm-hmm. and then you just build up coils mm-hmm. and then you smooth out the rounded edges to get like a flat or cylinder form you know mm-hmm. and so i i guess i just learned how the material like just the engineering of hand building i guess like and and but and through this process though like did you learn that this is like ceramics is something that you want to deepen or, and, and further your pursuit um yeah i was already in college i guess prior senior year i was like well i'm gonna try to do this for at least like, like five like this is it yeah this, this is this, it yeah i was in the material like i knew i wanted to okay. be an artist and um i knew i i love the material yeah. and like the asp the how do I say it? It's a very versatile material, you know? Okay. And, and, like, and specifically clay? Yep, clay. Okay. And, yep, clay. And basically ceramics is fired clay. Okay. So, okay. like, tiles, um, mm. uh, functional wear, sculptures. Mm. Uh, it's it's in almost, like, everything, you know? Like, that's part of your daily life. And um, it was, I guess I was fascinated by that aspect of the material mm. and you know it's just like i mean i it was just i was just in it you know i was like yeah. i didn't really i tunnel visioned into the material tunnel vision yeah. and then so did did school um open your eyes to any like business mentality like how, how do you navigate because you don't want to be the starving artist yeah right? like how do you navigate creating a um a livelihood from uh from your art yeah, it that was that's why. Because uh, it wasn't until you met the the chef from Schwa. Yep. Right? Um, well, so when I was in college and after college, 
I would I worked at a tile maker. Okay. And then it's like a production handmade production tile maker. And then I also worked for an artist that made ceramic sculptures. Mm. And then I also worked at a handmade production pottery. Oh. So I I just I decided to like, you know, like get information from all these different yeah. areas throughout the years. And they were making a living. Yeah. Right? They were making a living and um it's just and you know, I, I knew that I didn't want to do exactly tile making or that type of art. And, and in your own words, can you share maybe what tile making is and how it differs from ceramics? Uh, so tile making was basic. Tiles are, you know, they're, they're like fired. They're clay, made out of clay, okay. and they're fired. Ceramics is basically fired clay. So clay is like the, uh, you know, the malleable material that you right. work with, and you fire it, yeah. and it basically turns into a hardened glass. Mm. And it is sanitary. You know, like toilets are made out of it, bathtubs are made out of it, mm. uh, wall tiles, bathroom tiles. Okay. And so... Uh, the person I worked with, he made like architectural, his name is Brian Kerrigan, and he worked with, um, he made architectural design tiles. Ooh. And basically we would uh, pug out clay, which is make a solid log of clay. Mm. And he had a thing called a ram press. And you put that clay log into the press and it uses like a crazy, like, I don't, don't want to exaggerate. It was like five tons or, or 25 pressure. Th- yeah, like tons of pressure and oh. air and it just squeezes it. And the press has his design in it that he handmade. Um, he makes a master mold sure, model sure. and then takes a mold of it and puts it in the press. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, he makes awesome stuff. <laughs> and he oh, was wow. a great influence on me too. Like how to set up a big, it's a big studio. And, okay. and he's like a one-man guy. And he, he would have um, uh, one or two workers throughout to help him. Work. What, and what were some takeaways from the other the other uh, jobs that you worked at? Uh, so I worked for an artist named Deborah Handler. She's a good friend of mine too. Um, and she basically was a grad student when I was undergrad. And so okay. um, I helped her make her sculptures mm-hmm. and um, mix her glazes. And she would talk a lot about like the uh, conceptual side of making art and mm. seeing objects or looking at art in general. And then the production pottery is circus ceramics there in Chicago too. And, um, they be, they're just a husband wife duo, Andy and Nancy, mm-hmm. and um, they uh, make production pottery basically, like using uh, different methods of uh, casting and jiggering, mm. which is basically making mass production molds. Okay. And making their forms. What what makes a good assistant in the ceramics world? Um. Good assistant, it's, I guess you just keep focus and work, you know, like a lot of it is just labor, right? Moving clay, mixing clay, and then, but each one of that is going to factor into an actual piece that someone's going to buy, right? So Mm. uh, it's just like consistent work and good attention to detail. And like you seeing stuff when you're mixing your glazes or clay or noticing things in the recipe that might be off and you mm-hmm. can like really mess up yeah. the outcome of big batches of um, uh, wares, you know? <clears throat> so, and it sounds like you met uh, Nancy while you were in school. Was school necessary for you to be where you're at right now? Uh, like, would yeah, you, would you actually, be here without school? So, all the, most of the people I worked with, um, my friend Mie, she was my professor and 
she introduced me to mm. these people. Mm. Right. So it was just like work. Like I, I always worked, so I knew how to work. And then she, yeah. I guess she noticed that I was. Uh, they were looking for workers, and right, so right, she would right. recommend me, and I just make all the <laughs> just. It's good at working, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, but, you know, there are various introductory pottery classes and ceramics yeah. classes, um, but uh, in order to be successful, do you, do you believe, I mean, there's indirect um, uh, positives to going to school, yeah. um, not necessarily maybe the curriculum, but maybe like the social aspects that come out of it or the networking aspects mm-hmm. that come out of it. And the school definitely had a lot more uh, equipment mm-hmm. and kilns mm-hmm. and uh knowledge from the professors that is like invaluable yeah. that smaller pottery suit they don't have that kind of equipment or because those those are like hundreds of thousand dollars like oh. kilns all oh, right you know and oh. like different types of kilns and the material they that they have was it's very hard to get that yeah. the school had and so it had a lot of opportunity to experiment you okay. know and that's that was the beauty of coming from university and you also learned from like a lot of the technical aspects of the material like how to okay. make formulate glazes and clays okay and then they it's pre- would, pretty high level like yeah. okay and also i guess um mentoring you know like the when you talk to your professors they're like they they have teach i had teachers i was like mid 30s to 70s or 60s mm. you know and so they're all throughout different points of their careers yeah right? they want to give back right yeah so it that was amazing to me you know like all right well i'm i'm 18 19 or and then they're like 60 and just take like anything they say i just try to absorb it as a like a sponge you know so, yeah yeah and then one of my professors, Xavier, he, he told me to never throw any, anything away, which is really hard in ceramics. But because, and you know, like certain stuff, I didn't, I, I didn't throw away, and then I'd come back to the sculptures that I make or pieces or glaze tests that I made like ten years ago, and then I'd look at it and then get new ideas from him. You know, is that what he it meant when he said that? Um, it's he always just yeah, I think so. You know, like because <laughs> there's a lot of pieces and you make, and then sometimes it's like as you as i age and i you know when i was saying learning to see and stuff it's like you come back and look at this piece you made 10 years ago with a new set of eyes you know like you make them with this intention back then and you come back and look at the piece again you have new ideas or intention of how to recreate something you know and it comes out more refined or more um like translating that vision you had back then with better skills, right, you know? Right. So how was life uh, during that point when you were assistant um, working? And is this at the time, same time you were setting up a studio in the garage? Uh, yeah. So I, when I was working at production party and through the RS, I was living with my parents still. So I, okay. I just drive to the city and come back and make art afterwards or work on my own practice. Yeah. And <clears throat> so with your own practice, what was in your headspace at the time? Like, what was the purpose? What were you, were you re- like reaching for a goal at that point personally? Or, um, you know, I, just, I think it was a little bit of 
I didn't know where to go. And, and what were you making? I was making more sculptural, and I still. And then I bought a pottery wheel, and then I was trying to go like making sculptures off the pottery wheel. And how do you wait? What do you, so you're doing sculptures without the wheel? Oh, because yeah, the wheel is mainly for for these. Yep. Okay. For functional okay. wear and okay. And some a lot of people make. You know, you can make vessels out of the wheel, like big, and then you can alter the vessels to make it more sculptural. And yeah, but uh, yeah, I was still like floating around. Like I was very experimental when I was in the garage because I didn't have as much equipment. Did you have a homemade kiln? Like, is that a thing? Uh, so basically, I um, my Xavier and Patricia, who were one of my professors, one of two of my professors when I was in school, they uh, noticed that. Um, the, the school was having like what is called a fire sale and they're just trying to get rid of equipment and just get it out and sell it for really cheap. Oh, wow. And so I bought a very nice uh, medium-sized kiln for like 100 bucks. Oh. Yeah. What does it usually go for? Oh, probably like 2,500 or 3,000, <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you only I had to buy maybe like $300 worth of parts to like get it up and running cool, again. Cool, and then cool. like another couple hundred for the electric. And then... Yeah, and so I was back on, like, I could start making and fire pieces, you know, in the garage. So as you started accumulating sculptures and other ceramic pieces, like, what was going in your headspace to try going to these fairs? Um, what led you to the fairs? The fairs, basically, um, you know, I, it's like, I just had so much stuff. And, you know, the hardest part was, like, doing the first fair. It's like getting that confidence to, you know, like, oh, man, like, I made these in the, like, these pieces and it's like like school is a very safe place and then after Mm. school it's like when you have to like actually sell your piece to figure out how to sell that's probably the hardest thing you know like and the first fair was pretty hard you know like like oh man i'm so nervous and you just go out and you don't know how to unload a truck or move your pots or you you spend like a whole day packing your pots which it should only take like not that you know, it's just like overthinking a lot of things, and sure. eventually I did the fair, and it was good. What what fair was it? Uh, it was like it was in uh, I think it's Randolph Street Market in uh, oh Fulton Fult Market yeah oh. and it was like in the uh, Plumbers Hall, but yeah it yeah was, it was a long time ago. Six, right off seven. is that Ogden? Yeah, eight uh, Ada Ada Street. It Ada was in like an okay. I think the bill is called Plumbers Hall, but cool. I, I started doing that fair quite often, okay. and it was a very small fair. Were, were there other ceramic makers? Uh, it was mostly like a, I think like a thrifting and antique fair, okay. and then I, maybe there was, I don't think there was other ceramic artists, and so I was like the only, I was very out of place. What? Yeah, well, Oops, not, not out of place, but like, what if there were other ceramic makers? Oh, that'd what, be cool, because then you the, could talk okay, about, so you would like, feel you would feel welcome then. Yeah, you would have, be, okay. yeah, I could be like, hey, so how's the... I need some tips on how to do fairs and you know, but uh, yeah, it was it was interesting because um, yeah, there's a lot of people that sold like found objects, like they find it, refurbish sure. it, and sure. it was like, and then there's like uh, I think like uh, like uh, what's it called, like thrift store, yeah, um, yeah. Like, vintage like vintage, yeah, vintage, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the word, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 vintage and so what, and so throughout the day, like what did you learn? Like did did people did you get um, positive feedback from yeah, work? yeah, yeah. Right? It was good, you know, like and um, positive feedback, and people are very nice, you know. So mm-hmm. it's especially uh, in that community. I mean, yeah. just the the secondhand community or the vintage thrifters, like mm-hmm. they, the most of those people have, if not all, have an eye for art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
that was that's what started uh, the fairs, you know. So then, did that <clears throat> lead you down to making more of a certain type of ceramic? Yep, uh, more functional more focus, functional. and uh, when we say functional, things that you can eat out of or drink out of. Yep. Okay. Something that can be okay. used, you know, like uh, vases, teapots, yeah. bowls, cups. And so, what's your mindset as far as like function and form? Uh, I think it's always a push and pull with yeah. or tug. Right, like uh, there is sacrifice form for the function, or function try go push a little bit more of the form, sacrifice the function, and uh, or maybe it depends on what that piece is for specifically. Yeah, okay. exactly, and uh, it's it's fun to play around with because then you can make more unique wares, you know. Yeah. And, sometimes, like sometimes, I don't know, I don't really like with restaurants. It, it doesn't really. You, with restaurants, they will get the most, the bare minimum amount of function. So it functions for the purpose, mm. and then you can really go crazy on the form, you know. Okay. So okay. like, if it's a bowl, like it has to be a like can be a bowl, and then you. Can- there's so much to your work, but it's also like what, there's so much depth to your work as far as colors and textures. Mm-hmm. But it's still so simple. It's like that's, elegantly simple. That's the. Uh, that's what I love about this style of making is I try to make it quick. You know, like you see like sushi chef or yeah. like when they're making the nigiri, they, they go really very quick. And yeah. each movement is, you know, like it's calculated and it's like at the rice. They, they push the rice this way, that way, put the fish on and put mm-hmm. the glaze on it. And I try to make that the pottery in that way, you know, and it's very quick and not overthinking it, you know, mm. and then. Like these these lines in here are my finger marks, and I try mm. to use. Uh, I I do a lot of glaze experimentation, so like I try to choose glaze that can enhance these qualities, mm-hmm. or like. And can you speak <clears throat> on different types of glazes? Uh yeah, so there's, uh, like for me, I like to stick on the satin matte matte realm of glazes, and that's the way the light reflects off the surface. Okay. And so glossy glazes are glossy because there's a lot. It's is that glass? Yeah, it's everything is glass. Oh, everything's just, glass. Yeah. So glaze is basically melted glass on the ceramic form okay. or on the clay. Okay. And uh, like glossy glazes, they reflect a lot of light, so that's why it's so shiny. And then this is more of a sand mat, so it's like less. Um, so you're always uh, experimenting with ratios. Yep, and it's the way you cool the kiln that can get the mat or the the sand mat Ooh, so wait that's a process of yeah. cooling the cooling the kiln yeah. it's, a I, it's, lot. Not, it's not on and off you just like you no, have to cool yeah. the kiln wait can you elaborate on that like yes. what do you mean <laughs> okay so like um a lot of my for my mat and sand mat when you uh cool the kiln slowly okay basically crystals form on the glass surface that's oh. what makes it not reflect light as much and give it that sand mat mat okay uh, look and you can adjust that. Like, there's a program called Glazy on uh, the amazing people that made this program where you take a glaze recipe, you plug it in, and it gives you, like, the chemical analysis of it. And then you can, like... Is this free? Yeah, it's free. What, what's I mean, I do the Patreon because I, I love them. Oh, so sure, So I sure, just sure. try to, like, keep it going. And then... Uh, How do you spell that? Glazies. Uh, G-L-A-Z-Y dot org. Cool. Thank you. And then awesome. you can... Uh, yeah, just plug in any glaze, and it gives it plots it on a map, and then that map could it'll tell you like 
how the glaze will perform in the kiln. Okay. Like roughly, but you still have to test because your clays are but, different. But then you still have to test the timing of the cooling. Uh, yeah, that's all programmable in the kiln. Oh, like, oh, oh, so okay. you can change the rate at which the kiln heats up and then the rate at which it slows down. And then the the cooling, you know, you just you just experiment with that, you know? like okay. Have you gone to the slowest? Um, at a certain point, like it if isn't. it gets too crystally, it becomes like super unfunctional like you're, you're like because it's like it's really mad and there's crystal so you try to get a knife on it it'll just make that horrible scraping you know it's oh. just like i mean you can do it if you, if you don't mind it but i i did do a lot of experiments with that or interesting so, yeah interesting interesting damn okay so then talk about some other fa- you know you've been so you went to more fairs then after yeah, that more right? fairs. more more functional wear more fairs like mm-hmm. well you started gaining confidence like yep. speak speak on those experiences um, I guess it's just the fairs became more like, you know, like just a way to bring out more, just push out work, you know, and yeah. share my what, work. And what year was this? I want to say like 2015. So like social media was still new. Yeah. I was very not good at it, you know. <laughs> so, and, but it was also very interesting to like be able to find potters all around the world and oh. see what they're doing and. Because that was, like, when I was in school, like, three years before that, it, was, it like, that didn't even... Register, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know yeah. that existed, you know? Yeah. Or it wasn't a thing for potters, but, like, right now, Instagram is, like, one of the biggest things that potters use or, and find other potters. Okay. It's it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> you've spoken before on the cultural significance of uh, Korean um, ceramics. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you made... Like I, the one video I watched, they were they were showing celadon mm-hmm. pottery. Is that around pots? Celadon pots, like with like it's like hole, not holes, but like they poke out like they oh, make yeah, sculptures yeah, yeah, in yeah. the pot. And I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> and I'm and and thinking back, like I've seen these pots, but like to see a maker carve things out and then remove each little oh, spot. Yeah. yeah, I'll try to I'll try to make a video with it. Uh, have you have you experimented with any of these, or, or how much um, of that inspires you to put into your own? work i like the so the celadon is very korean okay and chinese and, okay um what's really korean is is called punchung punchung okay yeah, and that's basically kind of similar to this one okay but it's basically you have a dark clay body underneath or you start with the dark clay body which okay. has a lot of iron and impurities in it okay and then you put a very white um white clay over it which is like a kaolin clay or a porcelain clay okay and it's very uh pure and uh, without so iron has a lot of impurities if it's in the clay and it creates these brown spots it changes the color of things sure sure so you put that white clay over it and it creates this like very deep um, beautiful pot you know well, it's a nice contrast because on the inside it's so dark yeah and then um, like you can do it as a brush or a uh, or like dip it and then what the the origin of it was what I loved was, was basically like porcelain is that really white, refined, pure clay. Mm-hmm. And that was safe for like uh, uh, government officials, mm. kings, or mm. people like with power. And so the, the pottery, the peasants would make, uh, or uh, yeah, the lower class people would make uh, more, uh, I guess, uh, they wanted to emulate that mm. and they're making like thousands of pots you know and, and it's cheaper to do it this way um yeah it's 
I guess it's more like, oh, we want to make these pots that emulate this, but like we want to use it for us. Mm -hmm. And basically, you get these. They're making thousand. They're just throwing white kale and clay or uh, slip over it, mm -hmm. and it, you just get these very, very abstract but like modern looking pots, you know. And they didn't. I don't think at the time they knew they were what they were doing or what they were making, but it was it was like um, um, I get. They didn't know that what they were doing was a very modern technique of art making, you know. Mm. And um, I guess. Uh, a lot of Japanese pottery came. They, Japanese potters thought this was so it was beautiful, you know. Mm. And it was like it, it was like the basis of all their uh, modern pottery in certain regions in Japan. Wow! So, so how much of that still inspires you today? Um, I guess the making style of that, like trying to make quick, don't overthink things, okay. really. Uh, is how I like to make my pottery. Is is the are the materials expensive? Like, is it is it costly to like start over or like just because after it's fired it's done? But like, is it costly to do that? Um, as long as it's not fired, you can recycle the clay okay. and reuse it. Right. And then, but clay is you know it's it's mud, <laughs> it's dirt, you know, it comes from the earth, so it's very it's I mean, yeah, it's gotten expensive, but like kale and like porcelain. Is very it's still pricey, you know, and okay, and it's it requires a lot of babying the material, mm -hmm. like because it's it's very pure. It doesn't have a lot like of before you fire it. Yeah. Okay. You gotta dry it slow, and mm. it's just and it's you know like I like to work with dark clay, so it's very hard to uh, clean the studio, and there's all these dust, and you make a piece, and there's like a, a speck of you know like uh, impurity in there, yeah. and you get burned. It's like a headache, you know. Um, so, uh, share the moment. I, I don't know his name. I, I haven't been to Schwab, but the where a chef from Schwab came and, oh, yeah. and loved your work and asked if you had like 25 ready and you're like, no, but I can. Yeah. <laughs> can you share that experience? Uh, yeah. So the chef that found me at the fair was Michael Carlson. Okay. And you know, it's basically what happened was, um, it was like a rainy day, very slow day okay. for the fair and, you know, it it end. I think it always ends at six on Sunday. And then um, what happened was like, you know, it's, it was like ten fifteen minutes before the closing and packing up. And there's like almost nobody at the the market. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like, all right, I'll just wait a little bit, you know. And then I see this guy like standing like ten feet away from my booth, just like looking. looking. Yeah, oh, just okay. like I had my setup and. He's just looking, and the table's like, you know, it's only six feet long. Table, It's like one of those uh, picnic table kind yeah, of things. Yeah. And then he's just standing looking, and I was like, all right, well, I'll just wait, like, to see what this guy does. And if he comes a little closer, I'll start talking to him. <clears throat> and he does come closer, and he's like, are these uh, are these plates and stuff? And I was like, yeah, they're all handmade, dishwasher safe. And, and so, like... He said, like, oh, cool. And how many you got on you? And he asked how many I had on me. And I was like, oh, I got like five here, maybe five or six at home or something. So like 10. And then he's like, well, if I, how long will it take you to make 24, you know, or 25 or some number? And then I was like, oh, I can make it, uh, I can make it like in a couple of weeks, you know? And he's like, all right, cool. And then he paid for it now, wrote down his restaurant. And I was like, oh, I'm David. And then 
he's, I was like, are you a chef? And he was like, yeah, my name is Michael Carlson. I have a restaurant called Schwa and stuff. And then I was like, cool, nice. That's, that's awesome, you know? And then he paid, he left. And then he said, all right, before he left, he said, just give me a call or come give me a call before when you make it or you want to deliver. And if I'm not here, there's a guy named this Wilson that works there that you can deliver to as well. And so I was like, oh, cool, okay, yeah, that's awesome, thank you. And then after he left, the guy next to me was a restaurant person or worked in the industry. (laughs) And I think he was with his girlfriend and they were selling candles and he was just like, hey, did you know who that was? That's a big big sell you got there i was like yeah i'm pretty excited you know who that was i was like no i don't know you know like i'm not he's like you don't know Schwa? and i was like no i don't know he's like it's a really famous restaurant and i was like oh cool you know i looked it up and had like that four or five dollar sign i'm like whoa nice you know <laughs> it's cool and then and then i got really excited and then i guess that's when i could see and then i made that order right and mm-hmm. then he probably ordered like 20 he ordered 25 but i probably made like way more because i was like overthinking it you know so i i did the i made it like two weeks i tried to make as quick as possible get that to him as quick as possible and then um i delivered it when i went to go deliver it um there he was really happy with the the pieces and then he's like hey so uh what are you doing tonight you know and i was like i don't know i'll probably just go back work you know and then he said um he said to me well he said to his Wilson, he was like, "Hey, do we have any spots open for tonight?" And then, oh. and then I, he was like, "I was like," he said yes. And then he said, "He's like, you want to come down in here tonight?" And then you and a friend, and just bring a friend. Don't bring any. Just bring you and a friend. That's it, you know. And then I was like, "Whoa, okay." So I called one of my friends and in my group chat. I was with my friends. I was like, "Hey, who wants to come to a restaurant with me?" And then the first person that said me, and then I, I took him. I took my friend yeah. to the restaurant that day and. It was uh, it was like probably one of the greatest experiences into the the mission level uh, yeah. restaurant dining because it was like like the moment it's a really small restaurant and um, the moment I entered one of the chefs just like pulls out his hands like this and gives me a really big hug in front what? of everyone. I was like, wow, that's nice, you know. And then sits down, sit us down, and starts feeding us drinks. And then it was just like. Very surreal experience, you know. So was that your first sense of, like, community, maybe? Uh, community and, like, I guess, like, respect in the arts, I guess. From, a, from, another, art, from another industry, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was very heartwarming because it was like, man, I've been in my garage for, like, four years making stuff. And, uh, like, this is, like, one of the best restaurants in the country that is, like, just treating me so nicely and stuff and um yeah it was just amazing and then they yeah. they served my uh but to, and, and to share with a friend yeah exactly and then all the drinks were on them and they're like if you if you lay any money on the table we'll chase you out and you'll never be like all right, all right. You know, and it was, uh, yeah and then that was amazing yeah and that was was that your first experience with fine dining uh yeah Oh, and, wow. and it was yeah it was it was amazing so and then i was thinking like wow that what's like after like, like, that yeah. uh first delivery gears they, were turning after this yeah or? they they actually ordered more plates for me like mm. two weeks later to like more custom wares you know yeah so more like because i'm sure restaurants were ordering custom like handmade dinnerware but 
How many are there in Chicago? Yeah, it's it's not too many. I think so. With a lot of potter or artists, they're very specific in yeah. what they can make or what they want to make as well. And for me, it's like I worked in so many different fields and like sculpturally, tile making, production, handmade pottery production, that I was able to take a little bits of the labor from different experiences and then figure out how to produce at a quick level mm. for what they wanted. But still be handmade, handmade and, yep. and yeah, enough attention with each piece. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And that was the, uh, that's when it was like, all right, cool. Any, any job that custom piece people ordered, I would just do it just for the ability to learn how to make the things to make the things, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a constant battle of like refinement. Mm hmm. Right? Yep. And, and tweaking your process. Yep. And I do, and when restaurants order like the plates again, I, I write in my notebook, I have exactly what I wrote down when I made it. Sure. And to make it more better, you know, because I'll see pictures of it online of right. the place, and I'm like, oh, this, this rim ratio isn't what I want. And then I can make it more, you know, like presentable. And the, the plates at that level of, restaurant i guess or like their level restaurant and plating it's like the plates are like art pieces as well yeah. like they're like pedestals but they're still art pieces yeah. to like and i think it's that's what i'm really interested in when i'm making with restaurant wares so yeah talk, talk to me about some initial conversations you have when a chef approaches you because although you're you've kind of carved out your own niche in the restaurant industry every chef in themselves, they're an, they're their own artist, yeah. right? So it, there's a there's a good level of variety for you. Mm-hmm. You don't it doesn't get stale or stagnant. So tell us about some of the conversations you have with mm-hmm. what they want to accomplish in dinnerware. Um, so it's a lot of it is you know like what's going in the new plate mm-hmm. or bowl, okay? Plate or bowl, you know, okay. and like size of plate and bowl, you know, and yeah. then uh, color is huge like you want it to complement the dish or you want to uh contrast it and mm. i guess it depends on the season or the chef what kind of pieces they like and yeah. um then like texture like glazes you want shiny matte or um like it's it's all different you know and the cool thing is i guess when you work when i work with chefs is it's like one artist right they have a mind and then i have my mind of how to make stuff and then we meet like I'll make something and then with the idea that they gave me and I'll make a couple samples for them mm. and then they would turn change certain aspects or like add mm. certain textures like carve into the clay or you know make lines and um it's and then the piece eventually becomes like um uh very unique to their restaurant style or personality and the dish itself and, and to this day, so I I feel like you've is it like close to thirty restaurants that you've worked with? Yeah, th- t- uh, yeah, around there, around, yeah, there? around there. like thirty restaurants and like clients or like designers. Are, are and, all the dinnerware unique to each other? Um, sometimes there's like overlap, you know, like 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 there's like you or, can change or, up the. Or it's it's uniquely you, yeah. Right, like you you like. I think I read people can tell it's your work. Yeah, that's what I'm like. <laughs> you know, and that's I'm always amazed by that too. As I'm like, wow, it it's like it's a completely white clay, and then another restaurant I'll have like a clay or a, a piece that's like 
very textured and stuff and they'll know that it's like mine and i'm like wow i don't know it's it's so i'm sure this is going to be hard but like how would you describe your style then uh my style uh what makes a, a dtk piece you know uh, yeah i guess it's just i do like minimal Minimalistic, pieces you okay. know but it's like refined but not refined. Mm. I don't know how to describe it. I'm still working on that, I guess, but um, handmade yeah. dishwasher microwaves. <laughs> I remember, I remember. So, and then uh, Jeannie from Kasama found you at a, at a fair as well? Uh, no, actually, what I did was um, so, like, after the schwa thing, mm. I was trying to, you know, it's like art practice is like a roller coaster. You like, mm. or waves, you mm. know, like orders come in mm. and then it dies, orders come in and then. And then, so basically what was going on was like, I was in my parents' garage doing fairs and I was trying to figure out how to, uh, uh, like sell to more restaurants. You know what? Even before that, it's just like, how did you navigate what these things should cost? Oh, uh, you know, I just based it off my fair prices, you know, which, um, that probably art pricing, where pricing is... I think the most hardest thing to do, mm. you know, and I guess I can produce the way I produce my pieces is technically like handmade production. Right. Yeah. And so I cut a lot of costs on, um, not like putting intricate details on the pieces sure. and stuff. And mostly like, I guess the, the style of making is what makes it pretty, I guess, or like, yeah, gives, gives it the yeah. identity, you know, like, so quick, quick and let like let the warpage warp happen you know like don't force things and let the kiln do the work so a lot of the natural process of making is what adds to the character to the pieces i guess right but uh so but like how did how did you navigate oh the 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 price uh like like (laughs) do you want the people like do you envision the type of people that like want you want to use your stuff uh i don't i never i don't know how who like I don't envision the people use it, but I guess I start off with a base price, you know, like of where I sold materials it. Yeah. and things like that. And then I would double it, and then uh, when I sold to restaurants, I would still keep that price because it was fairly very very affordable back then, you know, because I, I didn't really have that much did, rent. Did chef be like, you should charge more for this? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, you know. I was like, but then I guess it's like. Uh, I just started adding more yeah. throughout the years, you know. Well, because I'm sure there's there's a influx of other orders, and you're yeah. like, okay, I need to I I need to like charge more for these. Yeah, okay. and then people would pay, and then it's like okay, and then at fairs I would sometimes when I would do more fairs, the the entry cost would cost a lot more, oh. and so I would, uh, you know, I would raise it up a little bit, and then if they're buying the pieces there, it's like why can't I still um, do that in your own time? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. And so it it just came naturally over like six seven years okay. of making, you know. So and I, I was definitely charging way too little. We all do. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh my time. god, like, yeah, I got I got fifteen dollars for this mug, or like, and then it's like, <laughs> dang, like you double it, and then you're like, well, at that at that time, I'm sure you're just happy that someone just bought exactly, your yeah. coffee mug, right? Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's cool that people use yeah. your stuff. Yeah. Um. And like hold meaning into your like like embedded like someone who drinks coffee every day like uses your vessel every day like that's amazing <laughs> yeah um, I'm I'm always like grateful for the people that support me you know it's like 
like I, I don't have anything compl- I and mean, it gets tiring but I'm like man like I'm so lucky to do this you know I'm yeah. always like really happy about it and so the support back to Jeannie oh yeah Jeannie and Tim uh, so it was like a slow period like very slow you know but I'm still making I never stopped making because okay. I know like it makes me happy to make and pots you know or yeah. like sculptures yeah. like I always keep my mind busy and eventually I'm just I'm, I'm like trying to figure out how to do it and I was like, me, my brother and I basically went on like a Chicago tour of restaurants to stop by or like galleries to stop to see if they want to buy pots. Oh, cool. And we had a lot of ones that were like, they weren't there, you know? Like, the chefs weren't there? Yeah, I pack up all the pots in my car and then we just like go knocking on <laughs> restaurant door. <laughs> and Tim and Jeannie, or so we went to Oreo, Noah Sandoval's nice, nice, uh, nice. restaurant. And then... Uh, uh, we didn't. He wasn't there, but then uh, Jeannie was there, or, and Tim, and then we basically laid out all the pots, and then they ordered from me, and um, basically, I think they ordered, like, they started small, like, 25 of these small, like, rim plates. Nice. And I probably, I probably made 100 of them but to make it, like, I got, I was overthinking again, you know, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be really good, you know, and then, so then I made stuff for them, and then eventually, I think just word of mouth just you know like spread within and, the restaurant industry yeah and I guess what happened was the places I work for like the pottery pr- production pottery they worked in an industrial space and an interior company in that space was looking for a ceramic artist but then that co- my old bosses couldn't do what they were doing and then so they contacted me to do that oh. work and a lot of the I guess I got a good amount of business from just like uh Word of mouth, I guess, yeah. from people yeah. I've exp- had. Who need social media? Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was nice, you know, and it, everything was very controlled and paced with the how I met people, and and it's it's nice. Yeah, what, do you have any experiences where you felt it, it might have been from Michael Carlson from Schwab, but like overwhelmed, like oh, I don't know if I'm ready to produce what they're asking for, and uh, you, you just keep it inside you, and be like, I will, I just don't know how. Yeah, exactly. It, it's. I, the garage base, I just had, it was all shelvings, you know? Yeah. And like, just like, I, it was crazy. Like in small space with all those pots in there. And so were, were you, was it, was it like growing pains? Like it was time to expand um, and move? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause I was doing fairs, I was doing restaurants and I was getting a lot more bigger orders for yeah. like hotel orders and stuff. So, and then. But the hard part was finding a space, you know, and so, but I would never rush to anything, you know, I just okay. take, you know, like it's hard now, but like if I find a moving, move all this equipment into a space that's like not, not good, ideal, yeah. then it's going to be a nightmare cause I'm not going to be comfortable with it. And you so know. W- what were some qualifications that you were looking for in a space? Uh, well, water, <laughs> okay. and, cause you need, it's mostly just water and bigger than my current space and not like so what do you mean like water like like a water line inside the space yeah you need for to work with clay Mm. or anything in ceramics you really you need water you know like a water source like Mm. so because to when you make pots you use water to like soften the the clay to actually make your forms or Mm -hmm. when you're making glazes you need water Mm. or like mopping the dust Mm -hmm. all the dust that happens so Definitely water, and you know, like I was working in a garage, so I needed some light, you know, mm. some like natural light. Damn, we, we you just open the garage when you're working. Yeah, does that does that have an effect on the clay? 
Um, it can affect, I mean, if it's humid out, it will affect, because like, humidity is water oh. in the air, so it, things will dry slower. But if it's like drier heat, then it would dry more steadily and evenly. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, what were some of the highlights of the space you landed in? Um, it, so I, the, the space that I'm at right now, is it's in Austin area mm. by Oak Park, but it's uh, it's filled with artists. And mm. I found that space by my old boss Deborah. Mm. She moved in there, and then she was like, "Oh, there's a couple of spaces over." She hit me to hit me up, and I go in there, and it's just like too good to be true space because it's like it's like when I moved in, the build they're still building out the building, and it's okay. a very big industrial building. And so, like first tenant, uh, it was like second yeah, tenant, yeah, first second tenant, and then like it's like. The water line wasn't in the unit, but it's like, you know, like right outside. There's a communal slop sink that everyone can use, and it was like good enough, you know. Okay. And windows. And uh, the downside was it's like, yeah, yeah, no, there's no downside. It's so, what, what sold it was like your your mentor or like one of your co- uh, old bosses? Yeah, she, old, refer- old she, bosses. Okay. yeah she referred me to this. They had the openings here, and then yeah. I. Yeah, sometimes that makes or break a space too. It's just mm-hmm. like your neighbors. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think that's just like school it's invaluable to have yeah. good like-minded people around you mm-hmm. okay. um and uh what's what's life been like now are you trying to create or like go deeper in restaurant in- industry or like what are you um, what are you thinking right now right now i guess I really focused a lot on the production aspect of pottery and how to make it more efficient yeah more efficient and you know, I used to not be into like, you know, like technology, like having the interest to like use computers or anything. Yeah. But now I'm more like, you know, like I, when I have an idea and it's like, it, it cuts down on time to make certain things. So you're making artboards on the computer? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to learn, you know. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. And I guess uh, I want to, I'm just trying to figure out more ways to, have like production line and also like a handmade line more like and be more experimental with the pots I make yeah and or sculptures I make and you know like clay is such a it's crazy how versatile material is and what you can do with it that yeah. I I just want to experiment and make more sculptural forms or artwork and yeah but still make pottery so it, you know? yeah I in, in addition for yeah in addition of like functional wear is there a part of you that wants to host a gallery one day? Um, probably. I I would try to like try to apply to art fairs or and, and and through this, like, would there be a common thread or a theme behind the work that you want to put in the gallery? That you know, I, I think that will come after I make it. You know, because oh. you know, like, you make some. Like I have the idea in my head, but you know, like the feelings of making when you're actually making, like that's when you can actually put your your artist mind into it. You know. Yeah. That's so cool. It's like you're yourself a pot. Like yeah, you, you yeah. yourself are clay, right? You, <laughs> you don't know what you're gonna be until you actually do it. Yep. And so, can you um, speak on what puts you in the zone? Because are are there moments where you don't feel like hitting the wheel, or? Um. Yeah, it's. Yeah, there. It's uh, I try to make stuff at a certain time of day, okay. or or time my week in a way where 
I can have this time to just make pots, you know? Okay. Because with pottery or ceramics, like, you have, there's a lot of prep work and yeah. then there's a lot of glaze mixing, chemistry, and testing. Testing is probably the, the biggest piece. But there. does that go all the way to firing? Testing? Yeah. Like, what um, do you, like, I'll, I'll make a piece or like a glaze test and then, you know, I'll run it through a couple of firings and different types of clays. And so then it doesn't make a, have to be the entire thing. You no, can just yeah. test the glaze. Yeah, like a tile and stuff. But Interesting. It, it always comes out differently, you know, like just a little differently. Okay. And so, but, you know, that's right now I'm just doing a lot of experimenting uh, with like different types of clays and yeah. glazes. Clays, mostly like flameware clays that can like just go on the open flame you know what donabes are they're basically uh clay pots that go on top of the stove and you can cook like uh stews and cook rice in it oh in like korean culture and like yeah, korean, korean cuisine? japanese oh, yeah, heck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 so and then i i guess it's just like trying to figure out the right clay body or mixture of materials to withstand that heat that's so cool yeah um yeah i mean how, even to make something dishwasher safe, what does it got to be? Uh, you know, it's really like with the glaze and the clay has to fit properly. And also the, don't make it too thin, you know, like when you get pieces that are like this thin, you know, and it's, it's going to crack cause it's going to absorb the water. So, but how do you, and how do you test for that? Um, basically, you know, that program I talked to you about glazy. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah and it gives you the chemical analysis. And oh. basically, like, 100 years ago, this scientist, I think his name was Stoll, but he figured out the ratio of all the, like, a plus or minus ratio of the materials in the glaze yeah. and the clay to that can create a very good durability. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very cool, very cool. Dang. Is there anything that you wish your younger self knew? Um, a younger self... I think just like body wise, just be careful, you know, it, it is very physical during the process of pottery. Like, yeah. Pottery. And it, you know, it's it, like, is it the bending over? Like, what do you mean? Bending it's, it's constant labor. So like the bags, you know, like materials weigh a couple, like 50, 50 pound boxes or a hundred pound, uh, glaze mixtures. Wow. And it's, and like the molds, they're they can get really taxing on like your fingers and your wrists, like lifting, moving. Okay, it's, it's like awkward moving, you know. And so I just started in yoga and it helps your back. And so it's yeah, cool. no, I, I the, the few videos I've seen, you, you're, you're they're like round, they're rounded over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the wheel. Um, how long would a session usually last? Oh yeah, I, I mean when I was, I try to do like six hours. Five six hours. hours. Yeah, but like you know, I'll sit up, stretch, and then. Okay, so yeah. like six-hour sessions in a studio, and then you just like leave. Uh, like making maximum, I'll do six. Like I I'll, I'll usually work a lot a day, like ten. Wow. Hours. Have you heard of like the four-hour work week? Uh, no, not four-hour work week, but like uh, four-hour work days in the sense. Uh, t- the four-hour work week is a Tim Ferriss book, but like four-hour day. I don't know if that's like that's what people meant, but like um, instead of like a traditional eight-hour day, people like you you lose your attention span after a certain amount of time. Uh, but maybe when you're so in the process, you get lost. Yeah, you're so you know, fo- you're so in it, right? I'm when I go to the studio, I walk in. Most of the time, it's like wow, it's a, it's already time to go, you know, because <laughs> I I have so much fun, that, you know. It's like it's cool to hear that this far into it, you're still having fun with. Oh that. yeah, you know, because. I guess there's so much stuff I want to make, and then 
um, so much experimenting that I want to do that when you actually do it, it everything just you know it takes time and, yeah. so um, but I'm always I'm always very excited to be there you know it's it's like my mind is my space you know and um, I created that area and it's I'm very happy about what I've built in there you know yeah. and it's yeah it's prideful and it's, yeah with with going along the lines of pride like do you think about the the legacy you're going to leave behind when when you're no longer here uh no you don't think about that oh i i do think like wow i made a lot of pots you know but (laughs) i don't think about you know like i'm and you don't you don't really care too much about it or yeah i mean it's like i know that the pots are going to be here longer than any of us will you know but that never I don't think that influenced the way I make things or how I make things, you know. And it doesn't create a sense of urgency to continue to make things. Yeah. No. Wow. And you're a rare breed, David. <laughs> uh, as as far as having lucky parents, or as far as like truly loving the process, mm-hmm. that's so cool. Yeah. It's yeah. It's 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 fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know anyone that hosts introductory classes? If someone in Chicago wanted to learn how oh, yeah. to, or is that, is that something you're interested? Or you might not even have the bandwidth to do it. But like, where does someone take an intro class? Like, do you recommend any? Yeah, uh, there's so one in Logan Square and one in Pilsen. Oh, cool. Pilsen is called Narware. Narware okay. Workshop. They're 18th Street, I think, and then Logan Square is uh, Penguin Foot oh. uh, Padre. Okay. And then there's there's one in Ravenswood, North, uh, Little Street, and then Bridgeport Art Center too. Oh, and, that's where we're getting married. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. congratulations! Oh yeah! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of. I mean, the the instructor, you know, like the pottery world is very small. Yeah. Or in Chicago, so like they're all fantastic places, you know. So that's cool. Any any advice for, especially someone taking an intro course for fun, like a hobbyist? Um, it can be frustrating when you're building something up and it kind of just melts apart and you have to start over yeah. any advice for them practice patience and pain <laughs> what's, I, the, what's the third one pain pain yeah it's it's good i mean pain i'm just joking but it's just like you know like you know pottery is the art of failure and you don't really want to get attached to the pieces you make in the beginning even though you 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 do, but you don't. You know, like that's a very the ones that survive. The, the ones that you make are not probably going to be the ones you end up firing and getting. You know, mm. so there will be a, in the making process. There'll probably be some that uh, a lot that don't turn so out. In the, in the beginning, how many iterations did you do before you felt ready? It, it could be fired. Um, well, I'll make it and fire everything. And oh. I'll look at the piece before it's fired. If there's any cracks or like if sure. it's, if it's a little too thin, then I'll recycle it and then you know and then you fire it. And yeah, there's I'd say like when I make a batch, there's probably like one or uh, like three percent loss yeah. rate. You know, because it's clay. It's it's when you say loss rate, like is that is that shrinkage or what do you? Uh, mean? Just like you know, like the. When, yeah, when the clay shrinks, it doesn't shrink, it doesn't shrink properly, and you'll get cracks inside. Or oh. like you can like bang the, it can like hit the pot just like that before it's fired, and then you'll notice like a little hairline crack. You could, you know, just like human accident, human error has, you know, like it's not perfect because it's not machine made. Sure. So there is like a loss rate. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Have you have you 
experienced anything like thing, oh, anything yeah, like yeah. that when like especially when like trying to deliver for oh, a bigger client or something like that uh, sometimes yeah i mean and you know like one time i'll uh mix up a glaze wrong mm. it, it's like when it's for clients i'm very 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 cautious you know okay. careful and okay. i make sure whatever i'm making for them is like i've tested it and yeah. go over the firing schedule a couple of times but you know like when i'm making my own stuff i'm I'm free. You know, you're, I can, you're a little bit more experimental. Yeah. And then, so yeah, you still have a good balance yeah. for like things that you do for other people and things that you do for yourself. Yep. yep. Okay. And then okay. It, it just keeps my mind going and I'll have more ideas of what to make, you know, or yeah. like, like restaurant or client wear and then personal wear. They like, they have a conversation like, oh, okay, for this one, they did it like this, but maybe when I make my own stuff, I can do it like this with this different glaze. And then, I'll have a few left over and then a client will see that and they'll like it, another client. And it's, everything like bounces off each other. That's cool. Yeah. Do you ever see a previous work uh, at a restaurant and be like, I, now knowing what you know, like I could have done that better? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. You know, <laughs> what a it's, cool feeling. <laughs> every, everything is like, you know, it's, as time and skill they, they go, they grow hopefully hopefully, you know so and i'm always like i always try to look for like oh slight improvements or change the way i see pieces in a way to you know like help the piece grow or my mind grow or my eyes change over looking at things you know for sure and that's uh, yeah it's fun (laughs) what uh what are you excited about for 2023 uh i guess right now i i have a sense of a good balance actually of when I can make things and mm. when I can sell things and I got better at working websites so I should have my online shop finally working and you know like so you'll start selling online yep oh cool I, I'll do online sales frequently or I'll have online sales throughout the year but then okay. you know most of it was through commissions and but now I can like I know how to like balance my making more you know like sure, I don't get, sure, sure. I don't like to overwhelm myself with one project like I can really put my finger like uh you know like dance on different areas of making yeah and then yeah it's 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 is there if you want to put these vibes into the world who would you ideally like to collab with in 2023 collab doesn't have to be a restaurant industry person uh i guess more i think artist collabs would be fun you know other like and within ceramics or or out, right, even anything, outside of ceramics yeah anything you know and I always, I always enjoy collabing, you know, like, it's like, I mean, with chefs, I've been doing it for so long, you know, yeah. and it's like, it's just nice. It would be cool to collab with, you know, other artists. What, what be, kind of artists? Like a painter? Painters or... So uh, if, if we were to collab with a painter, what would that look like? Like they, they, like you make it and then they could paint on top of it or like... How? Yeah, or, and it doesn't even have to be functional. Like I can make the sculpture part and they do the painting part or like, oh. you know, it, it's... It, it could be as abstract as, you know, like one could do it, you know. And I remember I I made some plates for a tattoo artist, you know, and then I told him which paints to buy and I made the plate and oh, he made dope. these really sick like dragon and tiger yeah. uh, motif uh, plates. Is there any part of you that wants to give back, like be philanthropic? Yeah, I... Whenever people like ask me to come to the studio or like I'll do workshops and mm. like I try to like bring them over to the studio for like a tour and tell them like which 
you know, it's like the, every artist's path is different, you yeah, know, and I yeah. try to tell them, like, which way I went or how I did things, and then, yeah. But, like, what about, like, creating a, a class for, for maybe, like, underserved youth? I'm sure, like, some high schools don't have the opportunity yeah. to, you know, throw clay and, and things like that, and, like, anything like that? Yeah, I mean... I don't know if I can go there. That'd be good because you know my space is for production, and I have to move like it's a lot going on. Yeah, it's like I can't move like it's like I got thousand pound equipment. Yeah. So maybe like, if there's another studio. Yeah, but if they had a studio, they probably have their own. You know. Yeah. Teacher. Yeah, it's interesting. So, the, like the the where where are you drawing your sense of fulfillment from right now? Um, I guess just making <laughs> yeah because yeah. you have you have this community around you i think you're appropriately compensated right so you got money you got community you enjoy what you do and then it's usually like is there a sense of giving back mm. yeah i mean like bringing people over and then yeah, just whether it's like giving away knowledge, creating a course, and it doesn't have to be a course that you're there in person, whether it's like you start a blog on your website in addition to a shop, yeah, anything. And I'm sure that just like just, that just even feels fuels your your fulfillment, sense of fulfillment even more. Of course, yeah. Than how you already because you're you're glowing, right? You're 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 super elated with how you're doing right now, but there's no ceiling to that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, blog and YouTube. You could start a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, if I have, I gotta. I guess for now, I know yeah. it's overwhelming. It's like <clears throat> keep doing the BTS. I love to. See, we all love to see it. Yeah, keep doing the BTS. It's as easy as using your phone. Um, and if you wanted to add an extra layer of com- like complexity to it, is like add captions to maybe what your thought processes are during whatever you're showing. Mm. I think people really appreciate that. Mm. Um, and everyone has access to social media. So yeah. that's one, definitely one way of giving back. Um, anything else you want to share? Share on the pod, David. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. You're David, you're, you're a simple man. You love what you do. I appreciate you coming on. Um, you're doing great things, especially in the hospitality industry. And I appreciate you sharing because an artist's journey is so unique. Um, but that being said, I think up and coming artists appreciate hearing how other artists have made it. Um, so thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, and, uh, we look forward to what's in store for the rest of your 2023. Thank you.